Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to This Week Again. I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. We're going to start off this show with some post-ceasefire in Gaza news, move on to how Hunter Biden outsmarted Congressman James Comer, and follow all of that up with our last installment in our short-lived docuseries entitled Someone Supposedly Named George Santos Leaves Washington. Let's begin, shall we? Anyone who is old enough to remember where they were on September 11th 2001, should also recall that 592-page 9-11 Commission report Congress published in 2004, because I sure as fuck do. But for those of you in the back, the report detailed how then-President George I'd Rather Be Baseball Commissioner Bush was told repeatedly by members of the CIA and briefed on reports entitled Bin Laden Attack Imminent Before Bin Laden Attacked. And because governments who ignore history are doomed to be exposed for allowing their citizens to be murdered in the name of the military-industrial complex, I present to you what Prime Minister of Israel, Genocide Yahoo, knew before October 7th. The New York Times is reporting that Israel had the blueprint for Hamas's attack on October 7, a year before it took place. The approximately 40-page document, which the Israeli authorities codenamed Jericho Wall, outlined point by point exactly the kind of devastating invasion that led to the deaths of about 1,200 people. Sometimes you have warning that something might happen, but very rarely, if ever, do you have this level of specificity. It wasn't just like a concern that Hamas might be up to something, they might be trying to plan something big. This was the literal plan of what they actually ended up doing on October 7th within the Israeli system for a full year. So you understand what this means, right? We now know Nutty Yahoo allowed 1,200, nearly 1,200 of his own people to be murdered and 130 Israelis, Americans, and others, including two small children, to be taken hostage. So you got to wonder, for what? And that's a legitimate question. For what? Was it to kill 15,000 Palestinians who have done nothing wrong and are not part of Hamas, but just so happen to be living on prime waterfront property the Israeli government would like to turn into a port of commerce? Because after hearing this from Israeli diplomat Mark Regev during an interview on CNN, I'm starting to think October 7th was about ulterior Zionist motives. They called for a barrage of rockets at the outset of the attack. Hamas did that. They called for breaking through the wall. Hamas did that. They called for entering via paraglider. Hamas did that. They called for entering via motorcycle. Hamas did that. Mark, do you know why this document was dismissed? Well, it's, it's clear there was an amazing mishap, a uh, uh, failure. Now, I'm sure when this war is over, we have to look very carefully at what happened. When Israel at that point had the battle plans and then visual proof of the plans being practiced, why was there still such disbelief? Discussions, we need to discuss 
uh, at the right time, and the right time will be after this mm. war at the moment. So was the Prime Minister Netanyahu aware of the Hamas document? When, uh, when the, uh, there are investigations after this war, exactly what happened, he'll, of course, be there to answer questions and tell exactly what he was given and what he wasn't given. Oh, that is so nice of him. So after the Israeli government wipes every Palestinian off the face of the earth, Netanyahu will then grace us with the excuse that he's obviously made up as to why the world would be a better place without Palestinians. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to say that's going to be a no for me, dog. And we know now the government of Israel not only had Hamas attack plans a year before October 7th, but that and until actually just before the attack happened, Israeli defense forces ignored their own when they were warned that Hamas was up to something. And this revelation comes just a few days after the U.S. Congress took it upon themselves to vote nearly unanimously for a resolution that equates any criticism of the Israeli government's Zionistic ambitions to, you guessed it, anti-Semitism. Because, of course they did. When IPAC, the most prolific Israeli lobby group, spends over $13 million in 2022 on almost every single member of the U.S. Congress, both House and Senate, they expect a huge return. And since hundreds of thousands of Americans, Jewish and otherwise, are protesting in the streets over the U.S. government's unquestioning support of a government hell-bent on genociding right out in the open, why not separate yourself from your constituents in more ways than one by standing against everything the American people are asking you to do? Want a ceasefire that lasts longer than a Black Friday weekend? Sure. We got two more days, and Hamas was even talking about a truce. But as soon as that ceasefire ended, Israel waited seven minutes before resuming their bomb everything above ground because Hamas may be hiding underground style of Palestinian annihilation. And now for something completely different. Unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard the name Hunter Biden. You know, the son of President Joe Biden. Or perhaps you're more familiar with Hunter Biden's laptop. <laughs> Either way, the House Oversight Committee, headed by one of the most embarrassing things to come out of Kentucky, since Glitch McConnell, of course, Mr. James Comer, has subpoenaed Hunter, not his laptop, to appear before the committee for some stupid questions. And surprise, surprise, Hunter agreed. There is one catch, though. Hunter Biden has offered to publicly uh, testify before the House Oversight Committee. December 13th. Biden's lead attorney, Abby Lowell, makes this offer for his client to publicly testify. Hunter Biden had been subpoenaed for closed-door testimony. What he and his attorney are saying, let's do it out in the open so you can't manipulate what I said in the hearing. Closed door transcribed interviews where Republicans come out and completely misrepresent the testimony of the witnesses. Cherry pick it, mislead, provide disinformation to somehow support their completely baseless allegations. And Hunter Biden is saying, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be subject to your control over my testimony. <laughs> 
You better believe that is exactly what lumpy oversight chairman Jim Bob thought that he was going to serve up to his poorly educated fans over on Fox, not a news channel. But Hunter Biden has said, no, sir, all the no's. Hunter's attorney, Abby Lowell, correctly called out this discount circus for what it is when he said to the committee, and I quote, your empty investigation has gone on too long, wasting too many better used resources. Although I can't think of any good way to spend Comer's annual salary other than perhaps on whoever wins his seat in 2024, because yes, the land swapping for tax evasion purposes congressman from Kentucky would like to be reelected to Congress next year, and I can't think of a better response to that than to elect a Democrat instead. Because when low IQ Jim heard Hunter wanted a public hearing with cameras, microphones, and irrefutable contacts captured for posterity, he immediately went on the Maggot Entertainment channel to cry about being outdone by a Biden. We need to ask him hundreds of questions. If he comes in for one hearing with 24 members having five minutes each to ask questions with the Democrats yelling and screaming like they do every hearing, we would probably get about 30 to 35 questions in. We have about 350 or 400 questions. We have specific questions and you just don't have the opportunity to get that substantive in a committee hearing. Oh no. <laughs> Someone needs to tell Kentucky's finest the quiet part is called that for a reason. Bitching over a public hearing because you won't be able to ask all 300 and whatever number questions because Democrats like to disrupt and let's just be honest, this is a lazy tantrum. The laziest that I have ever heard from a Republican, you absolute potato. Need I remind the short-term memory deficient congressman that there was a Benghazi hearing or interrogation rather that went on for 11 hours. Then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton sat for all 11 hours, answering hundreds, maybe even thousands of questions, dare I say, perhaps 400 at least. And I didn't hear Comer complaining about how public hearings aren't the best place for someone who's got a shit ton of questions. <laughs> Of course, folks, this is bullshit, and not because I doubt Comer can count to 400, because I do, let alone do I think that he could actually write that many questions. I'm on Team Hunter because alternative facts are the only facts Republicans know. Moving on now to why elections matter. One of Louisiana's biggest electoral mistakes in the last seven years and the only senator who happens to sound like he consistently forgets to put in his teeth, Mr. John Neely Kennedy, is a useless member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, as most Republicans are. How useless is he? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. Whistletooth Kennedy showed just how much of a waste his congressional annual salary is when he asked an emergency room doctor who moonlights as a member of the Yale University School for Public Health board member about gun violence and the city of Chicago. Roll tape. Why do you think 
that Chicago has become America's largest outdoor shooting range. Do you think it's because of Chicago citizens uh, who have no criminal record, but, but who have a, a awfully a gun in their home for protection or perhaps for hunting? Or do you think it's because of a finite group of criminals who have rap sheets as long as King Kong's arm? So Mississippi, Louisiana, and Missouri actually have higher firearm death rates. Um, obviously, there's certain... What about Chicago? So I don't live in Chicago. It's not my primary area of research. You don't have an opinion on that? I think there's easy access to firearms compared with, combined with environmental conditions, uh, lack of great education. There have actually been studies showing that when you green vacant lots and repair abandoned buildings in urban neighborhoods, you see decreases in gunshots, in violence, as well as in stress and depression in the neighborhoods around them. No disrespect, Doc, but that sounds a lot like word salad to me. Well, I mean every bit of disrespect when I say a sitting United States senator should always put his teeth in before he attends a Judiciary Committee hearing. And while I'm at it, Let's talk about gun violence and why Whistling Kennedy's lame state of Louisiana is number two in pew-pew deaths, according to the CDC. Could it be that thanks to Republicans in charge of Louisiana, they now have open carry without permit policies, and the only requirement being that you are at least 18 years of age? Or perhaps it's that new Louisiana rule where you don't even have to register your guns. But then there are also things like Louisiana isn't really big on legislating gun safety or background checks at the point of purchase or even tracing guns used in crimes. Certainly not making sure mentally ill felons or domestically violent people don't get their hands on guns. You know, maybe it's all of the above that causes nearly 4,000 residents of Louisiana every year to die or get seriously injured because of a gunshot wound. But hey, what do I know? Other than Illinois, the state where Chicago happens to be, is 26th in gun violence. And that means you are safer from being shot while living in Chicago than you are living anywhere in Denture John's deadly state of Louisiana. What I think all of this boils down to is some good old-fashioned Southern racism. Because it sounds to me like Snaggletooth Kennedy thinks because Chicago is seen as a predominantly black city, the residents must be big and smalls with a rap sheet like a CVS receipt, and that, my friends, is just Southern thinking from an elected official that should at least have the decency or the good sense to know that you save that kind of shit for the national prayer breakfast, not C-SPAN on a Wednesday. Meanwhile, during another and totally unrelated congressional hearing, the vaping, grubby-handed star of Beetlejuice the Musical and Colorado's worst representative ever, Lauren Bobafat, decided to complain about government employees working from home to Hank McNelly, the executive counsel to the acting commissioner of the Department of Social Security. It's clear Bobblehead thought she had Hank right where she wanted him during her Q&A session, but then this happened. 
you all are allowing delinquent employees to sit on their sofas at home instead of actually getting to work and doing their jobs. So our employees are working whether they are in the office or at home and they are- Are you monitoring the work that they are doing from home on a regular basis? Yes, we are. We have systems in place that our managers use to schedule, assign, and track workloads. Our employees are required to be accessible to their supervisors, clients, colleagues, and external parties during work hours, including instant messaging, video platforms, and telephone. Then why is the backlogs for Social Security applicants increased from 41,000 to 107,000? Because we've been historically underfunded for a number of years now. I don't are, think you're underfunded. So I'd say we have an increase of over 8 million beneficiaries over the last 10 years at the same time we experienced our lowest work staffing levels at the end of FY22. That's a math problem. If you have those workloads you know, increasing and you don't have the staff to take care of those workloads, you're gonna have the backlogs that you're talking about, Representative. <laughs> Not at all a shocker, folks. This 36-year-old grandma from Colorado who got her GED at the ripe old age of 34 doesn't think the Social Security Department and our government is underfunded. I understand math can be hard for people like her, not to mention the whole concept of working from home, which appears to be completely confounding to this trailer park trash originally from Seminole County, Florida. But that hasn't prevented this self-appointed hall monitor of working from home employees from using all of her double-digit IQ powers to come up and after the federal departments allowing remote workers to, I don't know, remotely work. Earlier this year, the queen of the double wides questioned the director of office personnel with the same idiotic fervor aware of any employee taking um, something that one would consider a vacation time and bringing their computer and maybe logging in just a portion of that time or not at all we have we have more than 25 percent of federal employees not logging not logging into work and they're teleworking congresswoman i, I do take issue with the characterization that 25 percent of individuals are not it, it's, logging it's in. in this leaked document right here that we just submitted into you're, the record. You're basing that from 2020, which is in the last administration, and I can't speak to that. <laughs> I swear, little Miss Maggot has absolutely no idea how funny she is. And trust me, I am laughing at her, not with her, because how can you not? Not only is Madam Windigo's leaked document proof that Dolt 45's administration was useless. It also shows how wasteful with taxpayer money they were because the Sherbert dictator was in charge in 2020, not the current president. If Granny Clampett has a problem with remote workers who are not remotely working in 2020, she should ask Jabba the Gut in her home state of Florida. And another thing, why is the president of the Colorado chapter of Clan Karenhood going back to her district during the holiday break to boast about infrastructure money that she voted against in June of 2022. Or as our Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, and President Biden so aptly explained. 
How we know that these achievements are really phenomenal and delivering good results for the American people is that even Republican members of the House who voted to prevent them are still there to celebrate them when they actually happen. Uh, Representative Boebert has written letters of support for projects in her district uh, to be funded uh, with President Biden's infrastructure package that she didn't just vote no on, but referred to as garbage. That didn't stop her from saying that that uh, uh, garbage, I guess, uh, as she had called it, was going to be good for her district. The historic investments we're celebrating today is in Congressman Boebert's district. And she called this law a massive failure. Tell that to the 850 Coloradans who get new jobs in Pueblo and CS Win thanks to this law. Tell that to the local economy that's going to benefit from these investments. You all know you're part of a massive failure? Oh, yes. It's such a massive failure, that Biden infrastructure bill. QAnon Karen had someone write letters of praise for her. Because we all know this high school dropout doesn't write her own bullshit down on paper. That's for her underpaid staffers to do. And while we're on the subject of congressional staffers don't get paid nearly enough for this shit, it looks like a few of them may need to look for a new job now that their boss just got voted off the island. In a historic political spectacle. Congress ejected one of its own today, the third time that's happened since the Civil War. What happened today was rare. Since the first Congress of 1789, more than 11,000 lawmakers have served in the House and just five expelled. That is until today, Santos is now the sixth. The George Santos saga is over. 311 members voted to remove Santos, 105 of them Republicans going against party leadership. His name already removed from the third congressional office door and the locks have been changed. Yeah, well, I can't say we didn't all see this coming. That House ethics report came out and described all the things Mary Magdalene was buying with the campaign cash that have nothing to do with her being a House representative. But it wasn't just the payments on OnlyFans and the 3000 she spent on Botox that got whatever her name is fired from Congress. Con artist George stole donors' identities and charged their credit cards for hundreds of thousands of dollars in expendable cash that just so happened to end up in the former Congress grifter's personal bank account. <laughs> oh, and I don't want to hear any more about how slow Congress moves because when it came to getting Botox George expelled, they had his name removed and the locks changed within minutes of the final vote. Those crypt keepers can be quite sprightly when they have a need for speed. <laughs> Too bad this leaves the Republican Party with less of a majority and one less warm body. But let's be optimistic and see Swindler Santos' departure as a blessing in disguise. Because it is. Folks, there is one less Republican in Congress. That leaves only 220 Republicans in the House to vote out of office in 2024. <laughs> and that is good news. And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday. And if that's not enough for you, you can catch me on the podcast Face Palm America with host Beowulf Rockland, where we make fun of the news in real time. 
Of course, it's recorded as a podcast, so you can listen whenever you want. You can follow This Week Again on social media wherever you can find us. And we are available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon, or basically wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to this show and to Der for now.